Welcome to another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by my co-host Rob Cassie down in uh, sunny Miami. Rob, how's it going? It's good, man. Everything is everything, as they say, or as they said in the 90s. Uh, you know, just uh, another week, inching closer to a football season. Well, so we had an interesting uh, uh, happenings going on in the state of Florida. It's only May. I almost, I almost said it was March. I don't even know what month it is. But uh, it's only May, and already we have beefing between Miami and Florida State coaches as uh, a Twitter a Twitter beef, which you know we all know is close to my heart. Uh, George Baez, who is a, I would consider a friend of the show. I don't know if you would. <laughs> but he's an assistant. Uh, he works in the in the Miami recruiting office. He used to be a high school coach down there in South Florida. He was a holdover from the past staff. He loves to uh, kind of rub it in about the weather and how nice the weather is down there uh, in Coral Gables. And uh, he tweeted something. I don't know what what exactly started it, but then uh, no, Tim t- Brewster. Yeah, I'll tell you what oh, you started it. Brewster started it. So Tim Brewster, an assistant at Florida State, who enjoys subtweeting and. You know, I would not call him a friend of the show, or at least you wouldn't. I would call Tim Brewster a friend of the show. Woody Womack would not. Um, no, not, 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 not a friend. Of, I wouldn't let you call him a friend of the show, unfortunately. Uh, he tweeted some subtweet about how he was down at Miami Central, and he obviously didn't use the names, uh, but he was talking about poaching offensive lineman Devon Donaldson, who is committed to Miami, to come play with his teammate, James Cook, who is Florida State running back Dalvin Cook's little brother. Now, if you could follow that, whatever. He's like, you know, I'm down here trying to... No, Baez, of course, then tags him. So Baez didn't even subtweet. Baez actually came correct. Uh, the Miami assistant tags him in a tweet that I cannot find right now for the life of me. I don't know if it's since been deleted or whatever. Uh, saying, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. Staying in Miami. A little bit of State of Florida smack talk. Baez goes back at him. with The last time I was in Coral Gables, I left with the state's top running back, which was a subtweet about Amir Rasul, who Florida State landed last year out of Coral Gables High School. And it was just kind of nice to see the back and forth. Uncle Luke chimed in from Two Live Crew uh, saying that he'd never met Baez. <laughs> so Uncle Luke, oh, jumps, no. Uncle Luke jumps on the Florida State side of this, it seems like. He's like, you know, uh, you're subtweeting these coaches that I've never even met before. Maybe one day I'll get to meet them. Uh, and so that happened. So you know when Uncle Luke has come over to the, the Florida State side, things are, things are bad. On the, I think you've lost the subtweet war. Yeah, boy. Yeah, that's interesting that that he would just uh, that he would. Oh, here we go. I'm trying to I'm trying to find the thread. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting that Luke would jump to the side of of FSU and not Miami. I mean, talk about a turncoat, right? He's kind of been he's been kind of teasing the heel turn on Miami for a while now. He was upset that he thinks Rick hired the wrong staff. He's made that very clear. That he thinks that Rick did not hire guys that are Miami guys, quote unquote, and that he should have had a Mario Cristobal type recruiter on his staff that is more familiar with the Dade County area. Uh, Luke has not been shy about saying that he, he, he he's come out and said he likes the Mark Rick hire, but he doesn't think Mark is going to do well at recruiting Miami. Uh, Mark has done well at recruiting Miami, though, so far. I think he's done a, a, an admirable job considering their position uh, in the league and, and what they did on the field last year. So, you know, maybe it's just Luke being a little bit spoiled or upset. Um, but yeah, he's kind of been teasing it. So he hasn't been thrilled with the new staff anyway. So this was just kind of a further step in the uncle Luke, uh, heel turn. It's interesting that they're, that they're fighting it out publicly like this. We've seen Brewster kind of pop off 
And I mean, with, with good reason. I mean, they won a national championship. They went down there. They got Ermon Lane. They got Dalvin Cook. They got Travis Rudolph, who's from a little farther north. But I mean, you kind of lump in South Florida together. That's, that's the places Miami is supposed to dominate. They've done well down there. So, I mean, I don't blame him for, for popping off. I, at the same time, you know, I think some of his Twitter antics have cost him uh, things in the past, which will be in uh, Lina Rob's co-authored book that comes out after after we're done in the recruiting business. But uh, I, I don't know. I think I think it can be, you know, especially if parents are watching, certain types of parents, man, they may not like that type of stuff. That's what it was, too, to backtrack a little bit. And this scores points for Miami and Baez on the Rob Cassidy scale of point giving is that Baez had tweeted at Tim Brewster, tagged him, tweeted a gif of The Rock doing his just brilliant hand gesture with the caption, come see me in Gables. And that's when Brewster came back with the last time I was in Gables, I left with the state's top running back. And then that was the end of that. So, you know, I think it's a clear victory for Tim Brewster here. Yeah, that was a sweet burn. I mean, I've you, you know, whenever you say something, the last time I did that, I've used that before in my Twitter beefs. Uh, you know, which, Actually, you which, should be uh, the one giving the ruling here. You're the Twitter beef expert <laughs> of the podcast, and so we'll let you play ref and call it. Which way did it go? What do you want? Well, now Brewster win- Brewster wins for sure, but but uh, you know, I, I still think he. I don't know. I, I'm in favor. I like subtweeting, but at the same time, I think uh, if you're going to give him a death blow, you got to maybe do a kissy face emoji or something like that uh, to really <laughs> to really put it over the top. So for for both of them being in their 40s or 50s, I imagine Brewster's in his 50s, right? Yeah, and I love it, but at least Baez tagged him, you know? So Baez came with it, at least. Brewster never did. Brewster was subtweeting all way, and then Baez, uh, Baez went for it. I actually think Miami's going to be pretty good this year. Uh, you know, you always follow the, the veteran quarterback. You know, Kaya's, I think, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So I think that'll be a fun game to watch this year, especially if uh, if Florida State ends up going with one of the young guys. So, you know, these teams always be battling it out. But uh, definitely entertaining, especially for those of you who don't uh, get into social media. To watch the, to watch the guys fight it out is always uh Entertaining. So another big rivalry, Florida Georgia, heating up uh, as last week, or I guess it was on Saturday. I wrote a story. Florida is going to hold a standalone satellite camp up here in Atlanta, like at an Atlanta high school, and they're bringing the whole staff. A lot of these satellite camps that we we've talked about are these so-called mega camps where you've got you know ten, fifteen schools, but at Florida's or at uh, Florida's, it's just going to be them. Uh, there's going to be a, an organization running the event, and then the Florida the coaches are going to be all over the place. So, I think it's kind of a bold move to go solo. Uh, you know, will it will it anger some of the other schools? I don't know. I, I know George is mad about it, and I'm hearing rumblings. Rob, now you'll like this part of the story that George is going to trying to hold a camp at, at the same place, the same field, three hours before Florida does. So, yeah, who, could you imagine? Who, who wins in that situation, though? Like, what's the point? I, you're gonna, well, ex- I mean, what's going to end up happening is these kids are going to feel obligated to stay from both. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That no, I like what's going to happen is we're going to have so many injuries because kids are going to 50 camps, you know, in the summer because they're, they're going to so many different satellite camps. It's going to it's going to take its toll. I mean. Uh, you you know from from dealing with kids in the summer when they're going to regular school camps that they are so worn out by the end of it when they're on these bus tours and whatnot and now 
they're going to be staying in their own cities, but they're going to be going to, I mean, I'd imagine two weeks in a row, there's going to be kids that go to seven, eight, nine camps where they're trying to put out all out effort. Yeah. Think about if you're a lineman and you're living in Tampa or in Miami or something in an area where there's a satellite camp every day and you're a middling lineman that's trying to earn an offer. So you feel pressure to get in front of these coaches who probably aren't going to offer you anyway, because we've established on a past episode of this podcast that these are all pretty much scams and they're just beating <laughs> the hell out of each other, you know, back to back days. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be some injuries. I mean, you can't do that. The human body's not meant to do that with no pads, mm-hmm. by the way, because you know, these linemen, they go one-on-ones and they're not going in pads. They're going in t-shirts, compressions. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if every fan knows that, but at these camps, they're they're not in pads. They're in shorts and shirts. And when the linemen go one-on-one, they go essentially full contact. I mean, there's a lot of head-butting that goes on. There's Bloody noses, ripped face. shirts. Yeah. yeah, it's an ugly scene. And like you said, I mean, every day, especially for a kid who's six foot three, 330 pounds <laughs> out in the sun in Florida and Georgia in June and July, I think it's going to be uh, – it needs to be a long thing, but I really like the, I really like the kind of all of a sudden the sneaky beef we're going to have between Florida and, and Georgia because you know Kirby Smart and Jim McElwain coached together at Alabama. A lot of people assume they're friends; they probably are. But I like the idea of them kind of going at it with one another in this setting. I mean, I, I don't think you know they're not really competing head to head on a ton of prospects. Florida really hasn't recruited that hard up here in the Atlanta area the past few years, but AJ Terrell is probably the main guy in the crosshairs between those two schools this year. And if with Florida now kind of trying to plant their flag in Atlanta, uh, if Georgia can pull off the preemptive camp though, I mean, that's, I think that's a terrific troll move. Don't you to, to have a camp right before at the same place, the same, at the, uh, you know, at the same field on the same day. Hey, Florida's not above moving theirs up, probably, right? Like, what if Florida goes the day before now? <laughs> I mean, these oh, camps move around. Gosh. You know that. I'd just like to see them kind of hip-hop or, you know, jump flip-flopping over each other. Well, the, the flyer has been printed, so I don't know if we can change, if we can change the date now. Yeah, that's never the happened in the history of a camp. that They've changed the date after the flyer's come out. <laughs> so that'll be interesting one to watch. I'll be there at that. I think it's in the middle of June, which I'll probably be ready to kill myself after going to hundreds of meaningless satellite camps every day of the week. I can't believe you're doing it. I'm going to very, very few of these, man. There's just... There's just no way. Not in Florida. I mean, you have it light compared to where I'm at. I mean, you're going to have some. But, boy, you could find one of these in the state every day from, you know, for the next month if I wanted to. I could just be driving around Florida going to meaningless camps for no reason. Well, I mean, that's not very it's very different than what you normally do. <laughs> so, uh, you know, another topic we wanted to touch on today, the Maryland Terrapins, not usually a school that we talk about on the show uh, all of a sudden picked up a commitment from three-star wide receiver Carlos Carrier uh, over the weekend. Uh, that comes just a few days after getting a commitment from three-star Sean Nelson, both of them from the Atlanta area, both guys that, that I really like, former basketball players that, that focus now on football full-time, both play wide receiver. It's kind of interesting since DJ Durkin took over. Uh, uh, you know, They've really ramped up their recruiting, especially uh, in Florida and Georgia. What's been the word with the Florida prospects? I mean, how are they doing down there? Are they making any type of impression on them? You know, this is new, and it's going to take them some time in Florida. I mean, it's never – 
easy to come down here and just make a splash when you haven't traditionally had a ton of success in the area, you know? So it's nice to see them. I mean, they're recruiting some, they're offered some 2018s and, you know, they've offered, you know, a long list of 2017s as well. You know, some guys they've got shots to get, you know, they can get, you know, BJ Daniel, the running back out of Melbourne, Florida. Uh, there are guys that they can get, but then there are guys that like, they've gone into the 2018 class and offered guys like Al Blades, who is, almost certainly going to Miami, right? You know, his entire extended family played for the Hurricanes. So I don't, I, I can't imagine a situation where Al Blades is like, you know, Maryland is the backup choice for me. I'm really going to go there. And, you know, they, they've offered guys like Kayleon Herbert recently who has 50 offers who's not going to Maryland. Uh, maybe the door for them has been IMG, though. I think maybe in Florida it's helped them that a lot of those Maryland, D.C., New Jersey area kids, for whatever reason, have landed at IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. Everybody transfers down there because they recruit nationally. So they've got guys like Cesar Ruiz uh, and Josh Kando, who is there, who you know is also committed to Maryland, uh, and Robert Hainsey, and guys that are all originally from the Maryland area, or at least the tri-state area there, that have come to Florida. They have their hooks in there, so maybe the word spreads from there. They get a bigger presence at IMG. I think there are some other IMG kids that that kind of opens the door for them to get. And then hopefully, maybe the hope is that it spreads from there into other parts of South Florida. But I think right now, they're not going to get the Al Bladeses and you know the Stanford Samuelses of the world that they've offered. They've offered DJ Matthews recently. I think yesterday they offered DJ Matthews, who's committed to Florida State. He's not going to Maryland either. But uh, I think... It's, they've done well. to. It's like a, a starter Florida recruiter, I think, is what they've done. Uh, this is a good start year for them, and hopefully by 2019 or 2020, maybe they can get something going. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, like you said, they've got two guys from IMG committed. I think both are ranked as four stars or higher. Of course, Josh Kando is a five star, but I believe they both came from uh, the Mid-Atlantic, and then they got the two guys from Georgia. So if you got, you know, if you can get four or five guys, you know, that are technically from the Southeast every year, I like it. I like the, the two guys they took from Atlanta. I think uh, going down here and getting skill position guys is a good thing. And, of course, you can you can build inroads. Do I think that, you know, I guess if we remember, Maryland was in the mix for Byron Cowart, who took an official visit there at one point. Uh, I think Raymond McLeod went up there for an official visit, too. So it's not necessarily new, but like you said, they're kind of swinging for the fences. I think the best strategy is to kind of get some of these guys that are under the radar, uh, maybe guys that are overlooked, or, or guys like Nelson and Smith, who or, or Nelson and Carrier, excuse me, who have, you know, 10, 15 offers, and uh, just not the big, you know, not the Georgias, Alabamas, Miamis, et cetera, of the world. So uh, good job by Maryland continuing to build their class, and uh, we're going to keep an eye on them on Southeast recruiting. So a uh, quick reminder, I'm going to do a little plugging here in the middle of the show. You can follow the podcast Twitter account at Rivals Podcast. You can follow uh, Rob at Cassidy underscore Rob. I'm at Rivals Woody, and uh, we're taking your feedback uh, at rivalspodcast at yahoo.com. Send us uh, some topics you'd like to hear us talk about, anything like that. And of course, we got to get those, we got to get more reviews on iTunes, Rob. We're, we've, we've, uh, we've hit a stalemate. No, nothing new coming through. You need to get the old uh, fraternity brothers back online. <laughs> you might have to find the old uh, fraternity listserv and send out a, a, an ask. We'll see how that goes. You know, we did pretty well, though. We just hit a stall. It's time for another Texas Roundup. Uh, Woody Womack back in the mix with Nick Kruger. Nick, yeah, you're officially out in Texas. How's it been going out there for you? It's good. We're recording this now after a late night and an early start for me, so I brought my best radio voice for sure. 
<laughs> Did you sleep at all last night? Not enough. That's for sure. I, I was at the I was at the Bishop Dunn <laughs> spring game in Dallas and uh, saw a couple of saw a couple of good players. Most notably, four star cornerback Chevin Callaway, uh, three star defensive tackle Damian Dan, uh, uh, <clears throat> Damian Daniels, fellow uh, 2018 four star defensive lineman uh, Calvin Avery wasn't in action, but uh, but he was out there cutting up and having a good time. So it was a good experience. How do they do spring games in Texas? Is it a scrimmage, or are they playing against another school? No, just here they they usually play against themselves. So this was an offense offense versus defense sort of thing. And Bishop Dunn is a is a, a private school as well, so um, kind of a smaller roster. So so it was a good opportunity to see some of the you know those bigger names that we mentioned get a lot of reps on the field. It was good. Man, I miss our days in Florida when we used to be able to go watch essentially real games. Uh, this time of year, where we had schools playing other schools in the spring. But doesn't seem seems like that's a rarity with with only Florida and I think I think Mississippi and Louisiana do something similar, but no luck in Georgia and Texas, that's for sure. No, but you know it's a good atmosphere out there, just the same. Had some good barbecue brisket, homemade. Uh, couldn't ask for anything better. You know, when you're talking about living in Texas, that's what you that's what you were hoping for, right? Right, exactly. So uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, uh, expansion, Big Twelve expansion. Of course, all the all the talk once again. I was really not a fan of the expansion talk the first time around with with everything that went down. It was it got old real fast. I, I actually bought the domain name pack sixteen dot com with uh, intentions of selling it <laughs> <laughs> later down the road. It didn't work out as Texas stayed in the stayed in the the Big Twelve. But it seems like now people are getting restless. People are getting angry with Texas having a Longhorn network. They want their own network. Unfortunately, it looks like. Uh, those days have passed. I mean, with uh, you know, millennials like yourself, cord cutting and whatnot. So, the the question is, I guess we should kind of talk about it. Uh, do Do you think this will have any effect on recruiting uh, in the next few years, or do you think this is a situation where we're going to be just kind of waiting to see how it plays out four or five years down the line? Uh, well, you know, I think the good thing about the schools in Texas that participate in the Big Twelve, uh, you know, have a have a strong enough following and you know, sort of reputation with recruits and uh, recruits in the state. So, you know, when I think when they start talking about the Baylor's and the uh, the Texas's, obviously, and the TCU's, I think their opinions of those schools kind of uh, aren't aren't determined by the conference affiliation. Um, I do think, you know, a- after looking at you know the Big Twelve situation and thinking about some of the schools that might want to join up, I- I'm in favor of a Big Twelve expansion. I mean, wouldn't you be if you were uh, the conference commissioner who's seen some issues over the past couple of years getting a team involved with the college football playoff on account of not having that conference championship game. You know, if they can expand the conference, I think that only helps them, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, of course, I'm in favor. I went to UCF, so obviously I'm pushing big time for uh, the old Knights to uh, to get the push in. Now, from a recruiting standpoint, I, I personally think if the Big 12 were to add maybe UCF and Memphis – you're reaching into SEC country and more importantly, two fertile recruiting grounds. So I, I think from a recruiting perspective, if you're expanding your footprint, it's a good idea. Now, I know there's been some talk about BYU. I just don't see that happening. And, and what do you what do you get out of that? You know what I'm saying? The Big 12 adding BYU, you're going to go to Utah, but probably not. You know what I mean? Cincinnati. You know who cares, right? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I may be partial. Uh, like I said, being a UCF grad myself, but at the same time, I, I think if I'm a school like Texas, who has already gone into 
Central Florida and grabbed some guys over the past few classes, uh, especially down in that Lakeland area, which is, you know, an hour and a half, uh, not even an hour, half an hour from UCF's campus. Why wouldn't you want to get another school like that in the conference? Chances are UCF's not going to really compete for the conference championship. And then you get to promise the kids a chance to come back and play close to home in front of their families, you know, at least once or twice in their college career. And the, the kids really respond to that. I know, uh, you know, UCF sells that pitch hard to, to keep kids close to home. But <clears throat> if you go to Texas and then, like I said, come back and play in Florida or, or Tennessee or even, you know, if you if you had Memphis, that, that really opens the door for Mississippi and Alabama kids as well. Well, I think I think UCF is a great uh, would be a great addition to the Big 12 in terms of expanding the footprint, like you mentioned, getting into a spot where there's obviously a lot of talent. But I think I think UCF is a program. It's attractive for both sides because you would think the Texas is you know, driving the boat uh, in the conference in terms of, you know, who they might want to see in there. And UCF isn't like a threatening competitor to come in right away. However, they do have a new head coach that I think we're both excited about. They had a pretty good recruiting class last year by their own standards. You know, and they're an improving program that I think, you know, could, could you know, to borrow a term that me and, uh, me and Rob would use talking about wrestling, it would kind of raise the profile of the mid-card sort of level of teams in the conference. And I think that would be perfect, you know, getting them a step closer to the uh, championship game, adding another team to expand the footprint, and also, you know, giving a giving a, a team that present that bolsters the the overall quality of the conference but isn't somebody that's going to knock the top dogs off uh, their horse right away. Right, exactly. So, you know, that, that, that's going to be something we're watching. Honestly, I, I personally think if they are going to expand, we could see something happen, you know, sooner rather than later because, like you said, they need to, to, to get it done in order to get uh, – that championship game, you know, being played in the same days as other teams. I know they got, I, th- I think they got the exception that they can play it with 10 teams, but you know, that then you're, you're, you're just hurting yourself because you end up having the same teams play multiple times in a year. And sometimes that happens in other conferences, but you know, it's, it's, I think it's tough. I mean, you're, you could be giving a situation where, you know, it's going to be tough for, for Texas to beat Oklahoma twice or, Oklahoma State to beat Oklahoma twice or whatever, and you know, however it lines up in the championship game. So, uh, I I think I think personally, adding adding the two teams is the way to go. I know, you know, Houston probably feels like they should be in the discussion, but if I'm the if I'm the Texas teams, you know, TCU, Baylor, and Texas, I'm not really in a in a big rush to add to Houston because that only helps them, and they're already recruiting uh, pretty strong. So that's where I think UCF or Cincinnati, like I said, or Memphis. I think personally my picks would be UCF and Memphis um, because, I mean, you already got West Virginia in there. I mean, it's just not like geography really matters a whole lot about uh, where everything's going. So we've got uh, some other stuff going on, a big commitment coming up this week. I never know how to say his name. Is it Deculus or is it Deculus? I've been saying Deculus, and he hasn't corrected me. All right, so 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 Austin Deculus <laughs> <laughs> will be making his commitment on Friday. Probably by uh, the the time a lot of you guys hear this over the weekend, it'll already be done. I think Nick and I are both projecting him to go to LSU. I guess uh, you know. Nick, tell us who else maybe could potentially steal him, and then let's kind of talk about what his commitment w- would mean uh, for, for the Tigers. Well, you know, Deculus is a guy that has, you know, he's another one of those players that has national offers from all over. All the schools in state are, have been in on him. Uh, Notre Dame comes in with an offer in Michigan. So, you know, he really, you know, he really has his pick of, of anywhere that he would like to go. I think, 
I think the reason we both expect LSU to sort of be the, the, the team in the mix there is he has some family ties to the state. Uh, he's, he's visited a number of times and has uh, further visits scheduled. So, you know, you just think the level of familiarity uh, and, and his overall comfort with, uh, you know, the program and the coaches out there, you know, kind of tilts LSU to, towards being the leader in, in that discussion. How important, uh, you know, do you think the the addition is for LSU? I mean, I've, obviously they have a tradition of producing some big time talent in his position, but uh, they need a big they need to pull a big name out of Texas and do it early in the process. Do you think this is a guy that that is going to help them then land other guys down the road? You know, I think when you look at the identity that LSU is establishing with this class too, obviously uh, Edward Ingram, their other offensive line commitment here. You know, they're definitely looking for guys that are going to line up and smash you in the face, you know. So um, they're, they're, they're looking to keep that hard-nosed uh, sort of mentality in terms of players up on, front, on the offensive line, and why not? You know, they have uh, Leonard Fournette running the ball right now, and we all know what he's capable of. Uh, another five-star and, and Darius guys from last year uh, in the mix there as well at running back. So, you know, they have players coming up in the ranks. They always seem to have good running backs. And uh, Deculus is, would appear to be a guy that fits the profile of uh, offensive linemen that we've seen coming out of that school in recent years. Yeah, you know, the state of Texas seems to be pretty important. LSU is basically now, you know, with their with their current recruiting strategy is let's load up on Louisiana and Texas and then pluck a few players from other places. I mean, uh, you know, we were I was talking to Rob off the air and he said, you know, LSU is not really a major player for a lot of the guys in Florida this year. I'd say the same goes for Georgia. I mean, I don't really necessarily hear them pop up a whole lot with uh, some of the top guys. So I think there is enough talent if they can get into Texas and get the top guys. Of course, there's a lot of competition, but if they can land him, I consider that uh, a major, a major victory. And then, of course, they got to they got to hold on to him. But, you know, family ties or not anyway, anything counts. All that matters is that he signs that uh that's you know that letter of intent and ends up in Baton Rouge. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we spent a lot of time last week talking about quarterbacks. Of course, uh, you know Texas A&M on the market. We talked about a couple options for them. They're going after Mac Jones, but they recently uh, extended an offer to an in-state kid. Kind of give us a rundown on that. And uh, and are we on commit watch? I mean, could it happen that quickly? Or are they trying to bring guys into camp and watch them throw? Well, Connor Blumrick is the guy that you're talking about, and he's he's a guy that we've both had a chance to see in the first uh, Rivals Camp Series event uh, this past spring. He was in New Orleans there with us, and you know he's a big kid. Uh, you know, looks looks pretty well proportioned. Sometimes you see these tall, lanky quarterbacks, and they look like you know mini versions of Sean Bradley or something out there. But uh, he's a guy that's pretty well put together, and uh, you know can throw the ball pretty well too, from what I've seen. You know, I haven't seen him yet in a live game atmosphere. We saw him at the camp. And, uh, you know, I've watched his film and, you know, he seems like the sort of guy build wise and skill wise that could definitely uh, come in and compete, you know, at a big time college program. His other offers were uh, the aforementioned uh, UCF. I think Memphis was his first offer too. you know, so two potential Big 12 teams in there, uh, you know, add, adding to the adding to the mix. He's picked up more of his offers recently, you know, as as most of the kids here in Texas have over the spring season. But. Yeah, Texas A&M definitely comes in and would appear to be his his biggest offer here on the table. So, uh, you know, they I think I think given what happened with Tate and and sort of them needing to get an offensive class together here in 2017, you know, they they might be pressuring him to pull the trigger sooner than later if they're very serious about him being the quarterback in this class. So, 
Um, you know, I think he, I think when he tweeted that offer, it was pretty well received by a lot of a lot of other players that that know him. So, uh, and we all know how important it is for for quarterbacks to come in once they make that commitment. You know, to start you start pressuring other guys uh, to help them out and, and fill out that class. It's interesting how their their strategy has changed a little bit at the quarterback position. I'm not. I think I saw him also at the Army Combine, maybe uh, in San Antonio back in the beginning of the year. But uh, does it seem like now uh, they're going more towards the uh, the Josh Rosen type than the old uh, Johnny Football type? Is that the the plan to go with more of a a pro style quarterback who can kind of sit back there and in the spread and kind of pick apart the defense a little bit? Uh, as opposed to a guy that can can run as well, it seems that way. I mean, we talked about uh, you know Ty Brock being a, a a quarterback that we know is still uncommitted in 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 College Station and kind of is a similar sort of uh, mold of quarterback to Connor Blumrick, who they just offered. You know, you guys talked obviously last week about Chase Bra- uh, <laughs> Chase Bryce and uh, Mac Jones coming in and their pro style quarterbacks. So I, I think that's definitely the turn that we're seeing. Uh, in addition to you know, the offensive coordinator's obvious distaste for Tate Martell and <laughs> what he brings to the table as a player. So I think all the signs point to a more traditional uh, pocket passing type of uh, type of threat there at quarterback. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it works with all those weapons. I mean, Texas A&M loaded with uh, guys that we've had over the years as five stars, uh, Speedy Noyle, uh, and Christian Kirk, of course, Rob's BFF. So, <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they got all kinds of playmakers down there and yeah, we'll see how uh we'll see how it works out for them so i think that wraps it up for old uh, texas talk this week if you have any feedback anything you want us to talk about hit us up rivals podcast uh at yahoo.com we'll check that email address eventually <laughs> see, <laughs> i hope i'm not in charge of that <laughs> i might i might have to create a new account because i forgot the password uh oh, brother <laughs> Just create a new email address, I think, is the... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Like several of our recruit friends do when they uh, forget their passwords to things. So, all right, Nick, thanks a lot for for popping in. And uh, uh, keep listening, people, because we're trying to uh, turn this Texas Roundup into its own special edition every week. Uh, But we need the numbers, so tell a friend and uh, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Welcome back. Uh, long journey to Texas. I actually took that journey with Nick myself two weeks ago. So uh, I'm glad to be back. <laughs> glad to be back here in the southeast with you, Rob. Uh, it's time for rants and recommendations. The time everybody looks forward to this week, and you and I really don't. We we, we don't have a, a lot. I've been doing a lot of uh, housework. I haven't had time to to really divulge in, or indulge in entertainment and stuff like that. But tell us what's going on with you, complaint wise, and then uh, we'll kind of spin it off from there yeah you know I, I went on a barbecue binge in kansas city over the weekend and that, that's not really a complaint it was awesome and i also duped one of my friends into paying 70 dollars for a, <laughs> for a tailgate we can get to that later uh the oc has been on rotation on my apple television uh the the uh teen drama from the 2000s it's fantastic <laughs> i think you agree with that my beef with that show is and i didn't have this beef you know obviously i didn't really watch it when it was on live so i'm just now kind of discovering it but there is an episode where the OC crew heads to spring break in my new hometown of Miami. And they, man, the way they talk about this city is not, is not favorable. They're upset about spring break kids and they're upset about all the old people. And I'm thinking, you're from Orange County. You live in a suburb, you know? Like, it's just like a place with nice chain restaurants. So I, 
for these fictional kids to have the gall to show up in a cultural melting pot uh, and to take jabs about what this city's like, man, if, <laughs> I don't know if I could live in Orange County. I've been to Orange County. You and I were in Orange County earlier this year for a camp. Guess what? Orange County is terrible unless you're like a rich, <laughs> unless you're like a rich divorcee from an athlete or something. And even then, it's probably terrible. But you know, I, I think all you really do in those kind of suburbs is take Prozac and sleep with other people's husbands anyway, right? Well, I think the problem with when we go to Orange County is where we're not down by the water where uh, where uh, the this, this show takes place. You and I, of course, are, uh, I don't know where we are in Fullerton <laughs> when we go there. So that's not exactly the but ideal it's still, place. But no at offense. the end of the day, it's still a suburb, right? It's like, it's not a city. It's rich people that are hopped up on prescription pills, right? To avoid like the boringness of their lives. That's what that is. I don't know. I don't. I don't. <laughs> no comment on the pill use. Uh, <laughs> please consult your doctor about, before taking any pills. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm not. I would not say I'm the biggest. Uh, I'm the biggest uh, OC, real OC fan. But in terms of the TV no, wait a show, yeah, it, re- yeah. There you go. Go ahead. In terms of the TV show, it does not get much better. Season one of that show, I tell you what, it should be like it's like Citizen Kane of uh, <laughs> of television. I I defy anyone. Now people are probably laughing at me saying, "Oh, that, that show sucked. It was a teen soap opera." Go back and watch season one. You said it's on Hulu. I, you will not. You, you will get sucked in and totally binge the entire season within within a week because. I'm telling you, the storyline's great. Josh Schwartz, uh, the writer, producer, uh, executive, whatever, showrunner of that show, uh, he was really young at that time, was a, was a prodigy. He, he's gone on to do a bunch of other shows I really enjoyed, such as Gossip Girl. <laughs> so, but Look, season man, one of- we're right here at a crossroads where Marissa has shot Trey, spoiler alert, spoiler alert and it's... Man, you know, it's it's intense. Nobody will believe Marissa. She's trying to convince her of the crime, and they're saying no. You know, we know it was Ryan, and <laughs> they're just not well, taking our words. You know, it's terrible. See, season two season two of the OC, you know, it goes down. I think, I believe season three is the worst one by far, so you don't have a whole lot to look forward to. Uh, it rebounds at the end. The final season's not bad. Uh, but, I mean... You know, when you're talking about a guy, you know, let's let's go let's go back to uh, let's go back to Josh Schwartz's uh, resume here. After the OC, we had Gossip Girl, which you know, season one of that also great. Chuck, which was a great show, uh, and then Heart of Dixie, which you know is a show a show very close to my <laughs> close to my heart. So. <laughs> <Hold on>. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen Heart of Dixie. Is that on the Hallmark Channel? No, no. Heart of Dixie was on the CW, and it starred former OC star Rachel Bilson. So, is it just like so, before we get off the OC? Po- can we give can we give a shout to the real star of this show, which is who? which is one hundred percent the theme song that the soundtrack from this show that became like <laughs> you know kind of an iconic thing in my high school days. I think. No, no. It, it, the, the theme song, which uh, Nick can can drum up for us to play us out today, instead of. Uh, Instead of uh, M. Deuce was uh, that California song. And it's a great song. I mean, even when that comes on the radio to this day, uh, I really enjoy yeah, you're it. You're not so. going to find a better theme song this side of Friends, really. No, it's better than Friends because it really sets the tone. It really sets the tone for the episode. Friends, 
Eh, you know, it gets a little worn out after a while, but uh, you'll never get tired of hearing that California song, so. Anyway, that, I guess that wraps I'm gonna, it up. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bang it at the gym right after this, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have, to, I have some work to do in my attic uh, at some point. Yeah, whatever you do, just make sure you bang the OC theme while you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. California, here we come. Back where we start from. A pedal to the floor, thinking of the road. Gotta get us to the shore. California, here we come.